0: only way to do it (laughs) speaking of the only way to do it that's right justin ferguson he's out on a much deserved reprieve No worries. The reinforcements are here on the Auburn Observer Podcast. I am Painter Sharpless, but more importantly, Justin Lee, Jordan Hill, Painter of the OA News are here to take us down. Boys, how are we doing? Painter. We're
1: doing great. It's great to be here. Love it. Loving the vibes.
0: We've got uh we've got some flip-flops and slides and no oh you got flip-flops over there. You kicked them off. I like that. Free toes here. That's how I like to do it. So we'll get into some meaty stuff uh we got uh you know it's it's kind of that time of the year boys where we're all you know like immediate days do i care about that mm, but at the same time i'm ready for something to happen it's right
1: the dog days of summer painter
0: now ferg do you know out,
1: what the dog days of summer means because i did not know this what is that there's a dog star that's bright in the summertime mm, see, i'm I not just, making this up
0: i always just thought it meant simply that it would be hot um, and
1: yeah some some farmer was like it's hot as a dog out mm, here but no no. It's like Learning a, stuff on the podcast this morning. The
0: Greeks are back
1: at it. You can look at it. The Romans thought that uh, this star was so bright that that summer was hot because it emanated more heat onto Ooh. the earth, which is obviously what a stupid Romans. Summer of <laughs> Dave,
0: summer of Dave. We love you, Dave McKinney. So uh, our
1: new editor, Diamond Kishikawa, wrote a column about that. So that's why I know that. Okay. So are we in, in the do- do- Are
2: we in the dog days?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's like a period in which that star is the brightest, and it's the center of some like dog shaped constellation. So there you go.
0: The things you learn.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. That's what we bring. That's why we're here.
0: So how do we feel? We've got a couple of things. We'll hit recruiting, media days, basketball. Uh, get you guys' thoughts on the early era of the Brian Harson tenure. Uh, that was a little redundant, but we move on. <laughs> I guess let's talk a little bit first since it's right around the corner and we're all avid media people. Absolutely. What do we think about media days? The Auburn Tigers, not just on the last day, But going last, the place will probably be mostly empty. You know, and I guess I will say this while we are in the dog days of the summer. Ferg pointed out, maybe you guys have talked about this too, that the offseason has been a more fun one in some ways than other offseasons, certainly than this time last year when there just weren't sports. For the sake of Auburn basketball and Bruce Pearl, when there hasn't been football news, we've gotten some form of Auburn fans, anyway, have gotten pretty positive basketball news. But with media days around the corner, what do we think we hear from Dr. Brian Harson?
1: Dude, before Jordan, I was just going to say, like, the other day, we were talking about, like, like what are we going to put in the paper tomorrow? And then, like, five things happen. Yep. It's like, <laughs> it's really not that hard. Yeah, so when we're filling space in the newspaper all summer, it's been like, you know, it's like the time when you write, like, a series or something. We've never had to do it because stuff just happens. <laughs> but anyway, Painter, your question was? Brian Harson. Okay, Jordan. Pop. What
2: what's going to come out of uh, Media Days? Probably not a lot. Um, like you said, it's going to be starting the... off nice. He yeah. loves realism. Yeah, we're going to just put it straight to the point. Uh, my thought is that Brian Harson is going to get up there. He's going to filibuster. He's going to do his best Les Miles impression in front of the podium and talk about how great everything is. Probably go through all the positions, the new coaches, how excited he is to be at Auburn, and then they're probably going to take two or three questions, and and just pretty much wrap it up. Like you said, it's going to be coming at the end, so I think everybody's going to be pretty well set with just letting Brian talk. And and, and I'm really disappointed from what we've heard, and we don't know this for sure, but typically when you go to media days, the the local beat will get a chance to talk to the head coach, not in front of the cameras. And, uh, you know, when they go out there, that's typically when some of the national media will get to talk to Brian. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen this year. I think the thought is – covid related we don't want to get everybody you know in a close room whatever you know excuse they're going to give us
1: sure Uh,
2: but uh, i don't think we're going to get a whole lot out of out of brian harson you know there there may be a few questions about like a tj finley i think someone may try to you know paint like a quarterback competition you know but i I don't really see that being the situation and and i think we're probably going to go out of media days and specifically look looking at auburn there will probably be more intrigue in what we hear from Bo Nix and Owen Papo compared to to Brian Harson. And, again, even with those two guys, those are the two guys. That right. When we did our podcast, we were saying, all right, you know, we really didn't know if there was going to be two or three players, but we, we pretty much bookmarked it was going to be Bo and it was going to be Owen uh, as the two. So those are the two guys that I'd really be more interested in, in seeing what y'all they thought, say. Y'all thought it
0: would be those guys before yes. it was announced? Yeah. We were
2: pretty sure it was going to be Bo. Oh, and, and then I thought
1: Anders. And I Jor- said Nick Brahms. Jordan thought Nick Brombs. We but, will never know. Yeah, but now they're just right.
2: doing uh, two people two. instead of three, I think, again, to try to, to limit the amount of people uh, that are going to be there. But um, I still don't think a lot's going to come out of what those guys say, but I right. think compare you, – You bring the kids who are going to –
1: make no splashes, but yeah, Yeah. put the team first and they're going to say all the right things because they're Bo and Owen and they do all the right things. So,
2: And I will be interested in some of the stuff like Owen, you know, when we talked to him in the spring, I mean, he was, he was excited about the weight program and now he's had more of a summer. So let's talk to him about that. But I've got to
0: ask, like, what are the advantages here for Harson? Because there was a mailbag question recently that asked about Harson and like how much goodwill he can build up in media days. And I think, Again, I'll lean on Ferg here. His response, I thought, was pretty good. I'm paraphrasing a bit, but it was something to the effect of, like, Media Days, if it ever did, is not going to change many people's perceptions, right? Like, at this point, I think most of us have... An idea of what what it is we think this season is going to look like now many of us if not most of us myself certainly included will be wrong but for all the th- reasons maybe we didn't consider so what if anything does harson get out of media days does he have a goal going in the media days can we write ferg's mail back too can we do that <laughs>
1: yeah, can we and sure. do that we'll just chip in everyone like your substitute teachers here we're going to roll in a, a a TV on wheels. And We're going to watch, watch remember the Titans. Uh, I was
2: going to I was going to go uh, brave little toaster, but I guess we can uh, we can <laughs> go remember Friday. the
0: Titans. So is there a way that Brian Harson can do himself any favors in the limited time they'll have in Hoover? My, well, I
1: mean, he has like uh, as far as with the fans, he has the honeymoon period already. So, I mean, but the, the only thing he needs to do himself favors for is on the recruiting trail and they're not paying attention to media days, are they? I don't know.
2: I don't think so. Especially, you know, it's often big to, to have fans, especially because it'll be in Hoover, um, that fans could go out there and, and meet some of those guys. But it's going to be different this year. I mean, uh, fans can't go into the Winfrey Hotel. They're going to have a designated area outside. Can't get autographs. Can't get photos. So, you would, ha- you know, that would have been an opportunity for him to meet some of the people. But I, what I'll really want to look at once Brian Harson goes to the podium and speaks – is comparing what he sounds like to when he was hired. Because I think, really, if you match you know, his introductory press conference with what he'll say at Media Days, I think for the most part it'll look pretty similar. I mean, there will be some updates, obviously, because now he knows the program and has gotten to work with his coaches and knows the roster. But I think that's essentially what it's going to be. It's going to be his first trip to Media Days. It'll be his chance to kind of give the pitch again of what he's trying to build And, you know, he can go out there and say, you know, we're working on bringing in the right guys and,
1: and, you know,
2: but I think it's going to look very much like, hey, this is my first time here. This is what we want to do, and we want to get Auburn and We're going to gonna be
1: disciplined. We're going to be
2: the military. We're, we're going gonna to... We're Everyone's
1: going to sweat. Everyone's going to sweat really hard, I promise.
2: We're going to have a 4th and one mentality every day. <laughs> and- go I feel like I'm and detecting a
0: hint day. of skepticism in Justin Lee's <laughs> no, no, microphone. No, no,
1: to, well, to be fair, nothing's happened between now and then. And nothing- he hasn't had a game yet, so I mean, it's going to sound repetitive. Well, but- speaking of
0: which, I'm not sure how I... I can best gauge this but let me know if you guys think that there could be some merit to this idea of the new SEC hires I feel like Harsons has been well received among maybe media members outside of Auburn maybe you guys don't think that's the case and if so let me know but I also wonder some of that has to do with like well what do you really think Shane Beamer can accomplish at South Carolina like what is it that Josh Heupel has proven That makes you think he's going to be able to lift up a Tennessee program that's been floundering for a decade and a half. Whereas it's like, well, at least Harson was successful somewhere else. And Auburn has been successful to a degree in recent years. So, like, I wonder how much of that has to do with Harson's own success in other places. Plus, like, of the schools that made a hire this offseason, it's like, well, I mean, they've done a little winning recently. Sure.
2: I, I agree, and, and I think, and, and hey, let's let's uh, put Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. Uh, let's give yeah,
0: So that's just brutal, right? Because like you take that job, and you're like, you know, I mean, Franklin was like the example of a lifetime, right? What he get, oh, yeah. would he had two nine-win seasons back to back, something like that, yeah. And it's like, that's, I mean, that is literally as good as it's going to get. Right?
2: I mean, Van- Vanderbilt has not been more relevant since like the 30s or the 40s. I mean, so, so, so yeah. I, you
0: know, I'm remiss not to mention him, but also I think we all.
2: But I mean, I think that's, the, I mean, that's to your point. I mean, you know, no one's really going to talk about that higher and rightfully so, because what, you know, the the ceiling at Vanderbilt. James Franklin went past the ceiling at Vanderbilt. I don't really care what anybody says about, you know, how things have gone at Penn State. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, I think that everyone perceives Brian's higher as probably the best in the SEC, because you look at South Carolina. I think people realize that what Steve Spurrier did is n- no one is going to reach that level again of getting 10, 11 wins. I think it's, it's
1: certainly not with Clemson now.
2: No, not at all. And, and I think you know it's realistic to say South Carolina can go to a bowl every year, but nobody is going to look at uh, Shane Beamer there and say, oh, well they're going to, you know, he's going to have them competing for the playoff. I mean, that's just I just don't see again. Like Justin said, with Clemson there, that's just not feasible. I mean, and with the way the East is and with Georgia and obviously Florida too. So I think there's the understanding that the ceiling at South Carolina for Shane isn't very high. And then you look at Tennessee, and we've I seen – I can
0: convince myself that Tennessee could be ranked under high pool. It's, it's harder to imagine. It may happen at some time during sure. Beamer's tenure, but it's like – I mean, at least Tennessee has gotten ranked whether or not it's been all that deserved with some of their past coaches, right? With, with Beamer, it's like – uh, if I'm a South Carolina fan, I'm very uninspired. Yeah, I'm with you.
2: I think the, the one thing that's in Shane's best interest is that he knows how to recruit to South Carolina from being an assistant. I think that's his only chance, is really weighing on what worked before and, and really. But again, I mean, yeah, Clemson, how do you out recruit Dabo
0: and Kirby exactly. Smart?
2: Exactly. Cle- but Clemson wasn't Clemson when he was there. Um, So that's going to be an uphill battle. And I think you're right on Tennessee. And I I think this was just something they should have done sooner. They needed to hire an offensive coach. I don't know you know i know it was a total debacle when they hired jeremy Pruitt, but defense was not going to get tennessee where it needed to be and clearly he's it just didn't. also
0: like a laughable person it just was, it, i it mean is,
2: i covered him when he was georgia's defensive coordinator
0: so i mean it was i was will fun. never get over the asparagus thing i'm not a cultured person necessarily <laughs> but what did when he saw asparagus on his plate as a 30 year old did he think that those were fancy green beans even
2: <laughs> even then I mean look, I'm not the, the smartest person, but if I was at the table I would not have vocalized that I don't know what that is. Maybe later I might have said, Whoa but I'm not <laughs> that a, But Wait, a, what was that? With, so, you know, a,
1: Sometimes you're at Thanksgiving and there's new yeah. in, new people married in and they you're
2: bring like, what did Janine what is this, bring what is what this is pasta
1: this? salad? What's going on here? But
2: And also he had a TV camera and he was mine. Like just read the read read the
1: room, man. Some of these people, they are just football, and yeah, that's them. That's true. And that's true. That's all you can talk to them about. That's all. That's all they are.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: And even then, sometimes it's very guarded. Nonetheless, bringing this back to Harson, I asked the initial question: is, is there any anything else we can tap into for Media Days from what will be a pretty short-lived uh, Media Day experience for the Auburn beat since you guys? And and I, I guess that's the case for a lot of folks, right? Because they they have more. Uh, precautions is not the right word, but there's more limitations more on limited, what media yeah. can normally do. Yeah. yeah,
1: because normally SC Media Days is like they just want to credential everyone who requests it so they can be like, Oh my god, we had sixteen thousand media people <laughs> this year. Every year that's what they try to do, but this year that's not it. They're they're they've limited, you know, they've only wanted people to go on the days that they have a you know, a really good reason to go.
2: I had to beg, borrow, and still to get there all week. I was supposed yeah. to just be there for the Auburn Day and I was like, We got local kids at some of these other schools. Can I go? And yeah. they're like, "All right." So because we have
1: high school kids, and, and you know, you yeah. just ask, you know. Vanderbilt people about uh, about Derek and you know yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. So, but yeah, yeah,
2: they, yeah they're, they're
0: Jordan will not
2: different. be outworked. Nah. Uh, you you're right. I'm gonna <laughs> talk to Dan Mullen about Mahmoud Diabate. Uh, he, oh. he
0: is staring down what could potentially be a massive season. I yeah, think man. so. I know there's probably a very niche amount of people listening to this podcast.
2: Auburn High alum for anyone listening, but
0: because this is a podcast that I happen to be on <laughs> and I'm from Auburn High School, we can talk about it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know,
1: we'll have that. It'll be in the newspaper wherever you buy your words. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but
2: but no, like, yeah. but like you said, Painter, it will be a lot, a lot more limited. The only other team that I know of, or the only team I know of right now that will even do the little local media. I know South Carolina is gonna let their media talk to Shane, which is in their best interest because you know they need to you know try to drum up some hype and um, you know if they can get that kind of attention, they're gonna let one person from. Uh, every outlet that covers South Carolina and talk to Shane. And they're going to do shifts, which, I mean, I think is smart. I think this is feasible. I think some of the teams are probably just saying, oh, we're not going to bother with it. But but there is an opportunity. Maybe there.
1: Brian will surprise us on the day and, Could. and talk to us. I mean, it's just kind of weird to talk about, like, I'm the – whatever. But – <laughs> I was going to say the smallest media fan in the world, but that doesn't make any sense. I'm the <laughs> biggest hater of, quote, unquote, the media in the world. But it's weird to talk about because it, it is media day. So that's why we're talking about us as media in relation to him. You know what I mean? What would you, how would you phrase that? And I, I do Smallest think media fan. As much, much as
0: one can, I think he's done a good job of endearing himself to the fan oh, base. Oh, for the fa- yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, all of that, and I've said this a number of times, so people listening might be annoyed at this, but it's like, I still think it's true. As soon as we start playing games, none of that matters. Not right. mm-hmm. But in the window of time, while you're, I think you already used this word, honeymooning yeah. right. with your new hire, he hit all the right notes. Right. So yeah. let's let's go, unless there's anything else to add I don't think from so. media Rayman, days. Going, going up to Happy Valley. Transition and how Harson will handle that to how he'll handle the season and what you guys think the expectations are. The most common refrain I'm hearing, and this makes the most sense is somewhere in the win total of six to eight. The the biggest optimist finding a way that Auburn gets to nine, which would be phenomenal, but I would think so, yeah. Given the teams they're up against, I find that hard to believe. And then there's a few folks who I've seen think not gonna make a bowl. I think that's a little bit too pessimistic. Where do you guys tend to fall? Like I said, I imagine I know that it's probably somewhere in that six, seven, eight range.
2: I think off the top of my head, I would. I'm seeing like eight and four because I, I think that the defense can be really good. I'm not convinced about the offense, and if something happens to Tank Bigsby, I think their running game is just. I don't think they have the horses to be able to keep up if Tank gets hurt. And, and you know, I mean, as good as Sean Shivers and and you know uh, Jarquez Hunter is a pretty promising true freshman, but that's that's just not a lot to lean on. Well, if I mean, Tank... well, look at
0: look at the way teams are winning football over the last couple seasons and like running backs have been a part of that but we've spent a huge amount of time over the last couple years talking more and more about record-setting seasons for quarterbacks and offenses lead since i'm doing the whole prediction thing would you mind giving me your two cents on what i consider to be but still do it often the laziest form of <laughs> speaking into a microphone which is asking people to predict think? the future
1: what uh well you know it's, it needs to be more than six because the coach just got fired yeah. for winning six games. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I mean, he's got a chance to, you know, win eight or nine, eight, seven or eight. I see. There we Did go. Die? He's going
0: down. <laughs> he said we'll nine. See, he's like, oh, you know. It's going to be
1: tough. Uh, it's going to be really tough. Uh, you know, I mean, his best bet is that all this weight room hype actually does something and, and the O-line is stronger and everyone's stronger and that makes some kind of difference. Uh, that's kind of his best bet right now. I feel
0: like of those games, what do we think? Like, cause I think it would talk about getting a monkey off your back. If you in your first season can go to death Valley uh, or go to tiger stadium and get a win and, and snap that streak. I think that would do a lot of good for a couple of reasons. And then the Penn state line is set somewhere around seven, seven and a half. Currently that'll shift a little bit given that we'll have what a couple of weeks of football under our belt. By the time that game pl- is played are either or both of those games feasible? I'm already convincing myself they will win one, if not both of those games. So as people who are not fans and not working so hard to convince themselves of the best outcome, where do y'all see that falling? And then, like, I don't know what to make of LSU. Because Ortron may be on the gene chiswick path of winning a title and then shortly thereafter not being there anymore or last year may have truly been a blip like we spent a lot of the college basketball season on this podcast talking about how unusual it was of a season sure but also you add on that auburn had a particularly young team and lsu was having to deal with some of that in their football world last season i just it was it, it. almost seemed criminal to me that that team lost so many games with that much talent, and, and Ed Orgeron's locker room, from reports, sounded to be in complete disarray.
1: Speaking of Gene Chizik, uh, going five and zero, I think is a massive opportunity because I think about that '09 season when Gene Chiswick was his first year, and they went five and zero, went up to Tennessee and won. Caused a lot of excitement in that program. I, I got think, ranked. Yeah, and I think the the recruiting started going. You know what I mean. That's when uh, Curtis Looper and Trooper Taylor started hitting their groove. Probably is right Let's after go, that. Baby, you know what I mean. Let's go. So, what do you mean? What a <laughs> so <laughs> so what you know what a great opportunity uh, if they could
0: two you know, very much nationally sweep the valley televised games. You know, Happy Valley,
2: Death Valley, win wow. them both. You know, run the I- gamut. I think it's feasible. I I really do think it's feasible they can win both. Now, gun to my head, I think they win. They beat LSU. I don't think they beat Penn State. But I think both of those games are feasible. I think, especially with the way Auburn's defense looks, and I'm not convinced about Sean Clifford, Penn State's quarterback. I mean, yeah. I could very well see Auburn's defense.
1: It's a
0: Penn State quarterback having yeah. a name yes. right there. i
1: flip it. I think, they, I think they'll beat Penn State, but might lose LSU. Really? You opinion. heard it here first, ladies I, I, and gentlemen.
2: I, what is Penn State's offense right now? Yeah. What's, I, come I mean, on, I can't it. I will Penn say, <laughs> though, they lost a ton of, of guys last year that got hurt, and I feel like, um, you know, that's going to be an early test. I mean, that's going to be, what, week three for Auburn? Yep. Um I just get the feeling that that might be a little blip early on. But but I think you're right, Justin, in that that could be a golden opportunity if they are able to win that game and and then go on and and win that LSU game and get that um, early undefeated start. That could get the momentum that we've been talking about all summer. They desperately need – um, to, to try to get, uh, you know, make uh, inroads on this 2022 class because, I mean, it's, it's going to come down to no, and as good of an offensive coach as Brian Harsin and is and, and has well thought of as Mike Bobo is as an offensive mind, it's going to come down to players. It, it doesn't really matter what the scheme is. If you, if you are hired to come in and be able to, to hang with Nick Saban and, and really compete, you got to have players, and it's going to come down to, to getting those guys in, uh, into the system.
1: It's not the X's and O's. It's the Jimmy's and Joe's, Jordan.
2: You are
0: correct. So it. it wouldn't be a, a is preview. true now is when they said it then. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a preview podcast if I weren't asking for predictions uh, lazily and then also uh, talking about a quarterback and overanalyzing things. Okay. What do All we right. make? Of Bo Nix and also more interestingly, I think the conversation is, all right, media days, they're sending Bo Nix, which to me is just yet another signal that TJ Finley has a lot of work to do if he's going to become the starter. But one vibe I get, and this I don't think is unique to Bo, but like when a quarterback struggles, which he has, please pick it up, Bo. God, I've been getting (laughs) absolutely murdered from my friends. This is your success is my success, brother. I, I am curious to like what other quarterbacks in Auburn history do they think would have fared better? Certainly in their freshman season, we could probably pick more on that sophomore season where he still didn't hit the 60% completion mark. Right. He had a truly horrific South Carolina game. I think it has been pointed out to me whenever I start piling on Bo for the South Carolina game, it's inexplicable why the play calls continued to be passing calls, right. but I digress. He didn't play well in that game. I think I think about the Tennessee game, because it is hard, you know, wins and losses often get put on one person or the coach and like it's often unfair to do that. But the South Carolina game was one where it's like, wow, Bo really did not help the right. team. And well, I think and about that twenty eighteen Tennessee loss at home and it's like, wow, Jared Stidham yeah. really did not help yeah. that yeah. team. Chad
1: for whatever reason went into that game saying, hey, we gotta throw to win. And if he ran the ball ten more times, they'd have won the
0: game. you right. It almost felt like proving a point. So this is a long, winding, very narcissistic way of allowing myself to talk to basically pose the question of what is a better alternative to Bo Nicks in your first two years of his career and like, why is there always this idea that the backup is going to be your savior?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, not everybody's going to be Tua or Trevor. Like, I mean, I guess people, maybe maybe the recency of, of, of Tua and Jalen's instant impact over there. We talk a lot about how Alabama's success, I feel like, impacts. It has eroded the sanity of, of, yeah. of fans I, everywhere. They don't like it. They don't like it. Yeah, sure. And maybe not just Auburn, but certainly here. Yeah,
0: I don't think any uh, any place but, more than yeah, here.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Uh, but, I mean, my thing is, is you know, when, the thing about T.J. Finley that people people don't kind of think about is that he had a COVID year last year. So he's really coming in as a freshman. And people are like, oh, is he coming in to replace Bo Nix? I'm like, bro, he might be coming in. Is he coming in to compete with Bo Nix? Like, he might be coming in to compete with Demetrius Davis. Mm. You know what I mean, and like you said, the the Bo going to media days is the other thing. But like, if you're an Auburn fan, man, your best chance, like we're talking about, to win eight or nine games is Bo Nicks. Yes, that's it. You know, the 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 dream scenario in which T J Finley comes in the. In and things in are not like, going great. Five, going things aren't going good. No, <laughs> right. So that doesn't need to be your dream. That's not what you want. And and again, the years line up to where he could still be the quarterback of the future. He's still young. He's he's literally still a freshman, which is insane to think about because he just played at LSU yeah. and he was. We all saw it.
0: Well, <laughs> not a great game <laughs> for him. You know, time. there were moments in his yeah, season.
2: That Auburn game that he played uh, was the reason he lost. Yeah, and the job he did Max have Johnson.
0: some performances and some games where you went, all right. There could be something to this, sure. but who does that remind you of in their freshman season? Yeah. Like Bo Nix had some moments and some performances where you went, you might have something here, but a lot. I think in the twenty nineteen games, I often think about Bo doing enough to allow the team to win. As a freshman, I don't think Bo was really the reason that they won a lot of those games. Like he had some big plays, for instance, in the Oregon game where he scrambles for a first down, he throws that pass to Seth, but also I think he had two interceptions in that game. And like the Iron Bowl, his numbers weren't stellar. He made some plays with his feet and he made some nice throws when he had to, but like the defense had two pick sixes. So the same thing with T J where it's like, Well, they what went Five and five, if I got that right, last year LSU did. And they were playing musical chairs with their quarterbacks. And there were some moments where it looked very much like a true freshman. There were some moments where you went, holy, like, God Almighty, you've got an arm. You've got a cannon, bro.
2: Yeah, he looked good in that South Carolina game, which I think was the very first game. But the thing that comes to mind for me, when you talk about quarterbacks and the backup quarterback, I think of I'm going way back to an old episode of Family Guy. (laughs) Listen to this. No, it'll make sense. I promise. And uh, Peter is sitting there, and they're offering him two things. They're offering him a boat, or they're offering him the mystery box. Oh,
1: this is early. This is (laughs) like before the cancellation. Yes, (laughs) and
2: uh, he's like, I mean, you know, I mean, a boat's a boat, but a mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. (laughs) That's the 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 mis the mystery box is the backup quarterback. You, you don't know what it could be. It could be the next Heisman winner. It could be a guy that's probably going to transfer to an FCS school in six months. But you don't know. It's that uncertainty that as a fan, you're like, well, you know, we know, we've seen what Bo can do. And at times he can be really good. But this other guy, we've seen what he can do. We've seen the good and we've seen the bad. We haven't seen anything of T.J. Finley, the Auburn Tiger. Clearly, you know, we did see uh, him at LSU. But that's the thing, you know, what I what I think a fan base, any fan base that wants a quarterback replaced or thinks another coach can do a better job, it's the uncertainty and the gamble of, well, we've seen what this guy can do. Well, maybe we get lucky and, and get the next Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and, and Lee, I think your
0: point's be. a good one. You know, more recently, there actually have been some backup quarterbacks that really worked out well. Maybe yeah. there are more that I'm simply not aware of because the backup quarterback has generally been a popular guy on campus. Like I remember when Brandon oh, Cox sure. was quarterback and Cody Burns was a freshman. Yep. yep. This Chris was still a Burns. dynamic that was playing out. And of course I, that season, if I'm remembering correctly, ended with Tony Franklin and Tommy Tuberville leaving at some point. So whatever, but
1: Daniel Cobb and Jason Campbell, yeah. Campbell's such an back.
0: interesting case. Cause it's like, it took him almost his entire right. career and right. then he right. became a first round right. draft pick. Right. And I may have my years mixed up, I guess. Tuberville hired Franklin at the end of that season oh, when seven. Cody was a freshman. Oh, seven. And so yeah, yeah. then you bring in bowl. Cody it's a sophomore. The yeah, bowl the game. bowl game against Clemson, which is there anything else to delve into? Have I given you adequate opportunity to talk about the quarterback situation, which has been dissected more than I care to, but, you know, here I am doing it myself.
1: He needs his O-line to step up and then maybe we can see, you know, him. Listen, I, I'm one of the bigger uh, bow defenders, I feel like. What? Especially <laughs> on the beat and everywhere else. Because I think he has a chance to be a great college quarterback. I think he's a really good college quarterback. He's athletic. He's more athletic than people give him credit for. All those things. He's a sharp kid. He's super sharp. But, he, you know, obviously... And everyone's like, oh, he just runs out of the pocket. And yeah, sometimes that's true, but man, he's never had an O-line he can trust. He's never had an O-line anyone I've would trust. I've always wondered I'm sorry. what it would no have would like trust if, them.
0: And he's a good quarterback, as evidenced by their. Record numbers he put up, getting drafted in the first round, and not just getting drafted in the first round, but I guess at this point, if Bill Belichick is doing it, we tend to give it a little bit more credence. But, like, put Mac Jones behind that offensive line last year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The Super Bowl, Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes, where yep. Mahomes was running around all day. and You flip them. Just I mean, the, same, the Iron Bowl could have been the same way. I remember the charts where they charted Pat Mahomes running around and Tom Brady having the cleanest pocket. I bet the Iron Bowl is the exact
2: same way. Yeah. The two things kind of going off of what Justin just said that I think of, one is that, you know, sacks and, and poor quarterback play is not always solely on the quarterback. Sure. I mean, there are things we can point to specific things and say, this is something Bo, this was a mistake Bo made. Sure. But with offensive line and things like that, you got to keep that in mind. Um, and that's been an issue uh, so that's the big thing i'm looking at this season and then the other thing when mike bobo was hired i had a chance uh, i did a story uh, on some of his former quarterbacks at georgia aaron murray um dj shock the shock man that's Mason, guy. Yep. Electric. yeah electric oh yeah dj <laughs> um but I talked to them about basically what we can expect Mike to do with Bo and every single one of them said the very first thing he is gonna do is get his fundamentals worked out. And if you're an Auburn fan, Yeah, that, that does be sound boring, but it's
0: like given the amount of complaints that Auburn fans have had about Bo, that seems like a decent place to start.
2: I mean that's that's the biggest thing, and I've talked about this before, but I will never forget last season. I think it might have been, I think it was the week after the Kentucky game. There was a throw Bo made um, off his back foot. I mean, and it was on the money. And Justin Ferguson asked Gus, you know, basically, do you go to, to Bo and say, look, you need to plant? I mean, you know, don't, you know, not be throwing off your back foot. And Gus was basically like, I mean, made the throw, so you just pat him on the back and say, good job.
1: <laughs>
2: and I'm like, to me, that was a sign of things to come, is that the fundamentals have not been consistently, you know, really installed into Bo. And now you got a guy in Mike Bobo who played at Georgia and has coached the position forever and really seems like he's going to harp on those things. Because I think about that Texas A&M game, there was a throw – on the left side, he had, uh, Bo had Eli Stove. I mean, there wasn't a defender within five yards sure. of him. Sure. it. I mean, it would yeah. have been a touchdown. Yeah. And it's just things like that, that if you are going to be seen as one of the up-and-coming or top-tier SEC quarterbacks, you have to make those throws. And, and maybe now this is the staff that can help Bo – Really work on his mechanics. Where those are throws that you just see it. If we're in the press box and we see that guy, we say that's a touchdown. We don't have to wait and see, you know, if it's actually going to be.
1: It's strange to me that no one like no one accepts Bo could be fine. Yeah, he's either he has to be oh, great. He has to or, be great. I mean, I'm desperate. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I, I, I like, pick like, up what you're have saying. Have we ever thought about Stephen Garcia was a fine? Thank SEC God he played his best game years? of his life against Alabama. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) but he was fine. Yeah. And no one lost their mind about it. Maybe they did lose their mind in South Carolina about it. I don't know, but you know what I mean? He was fine. Average moved his way up to above average. I don't know. I feel it it feels, it feels like Bo is definitely under the microscope, but he signed up for that. He knew exactly what he was getting into. So there you go. All right.
0: I think that's enough quarterback talk. Let's transition into the future of football with recruiting. Speaking of losing your minds. Ooh, speaking of losing. Oh, wow. Shots there. What do we make of the early recruiting uh, efforts? I think I saw a screenshot from Max Olson, friend of the newsletter, and he pointed out something we've pointed out, which is that the top 15 or whatever he had screenshotted looks a little funny right now. I think Alabama was somewhere around 10th on that graphic and it's like, well, I know where they're gonna end up. Right. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Auburn's gonna end up. It's gonna be better than what it is now. But the obvious part here is better than what it is now it's not quite as reassuring when Alabama and Georgia and, and Clemson and Ohio State, especially Alabama and Georgia, are doing what it is they're doing every year. And we have prefaced all of these recruiting conversations with the same thing, which is that it's year one, late to the party, established relationships, et cetera, et cetera. What do you make of this year, and then maybe more importantly, the next, and how much of a clue that gives us about Brian Harson's tenure at Auburn? He's got to pick it up. We can say that. Um, I think
1: I saw on Twitter recently someone was saying, like, well, you know, if you add these transfers, it's a better class. And I'm like, transfers aren't going to beat Alabama and Georgia, bro. You know what I mean? And that's, that's part of the culture. That's part of, hey, you know, if you're trying to out-recruit those guys, you're trying to pitch to them, we're going to get you to the NFL. You do that to high school kids, not college kids who are trying to find playing time at the end of their career, right? That's, that's an entirely different culture to build. That's an entirely different pitch. So that's the importance of bringing in the high school guys. Like, yes, you fill the gaps with these college transfers, but as far as longevity, as far as building a program, building a, a system that's going to keep going – it, that's it, it's got to be the high school. Like, that's where it comes from. You're trying to be an NFL factor. You're trying to get people from there to there. Um, and, like, so that's why, that's why it's so important. Like, yes, they can fill the gaps, and they can get some exciting transfers. They can keep doing that. And, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because the thing is, okay, if they lose this December – if this December signing class is poor again, because it was poor last year, mm. they, we can be, they can be doing just like they're doing now next summer and bringing in transfers and filling the gaps – but it's not getting you very much closer. You know, you're you're plugging gaps in the dam, it's not getting you closer to where you want to go.
2: It's a band-aid on a bullet wound. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. So you, you need to you, you gotta get some some bell cows in here. You've gotta you've gotta figure out what your pitch is, you've gotta figure out what makes you different, what sets you apart. Um, and you've gotta bring in some of those guys who are gonna be the pod pipers who are gonna be exciting. And maybe some of those guys are around the corner, uh, but they're they're not here right now.
2: Yeah, I think to to Justin's point, they've started off really slow, and you know I'm sure you guys have talked about this on the podcast that there were things you know against them. One in hiring, you know, Harson doesn't have direct ties to the Southeast as far and as I always recruiting. wonder like
0: that has yeah, to matter they, to some extent. But like Nick Saban coached at Michigan State, yeah, Urban Meyer coached at what Bowling staff, Green too. and and Utah State, and it's like well those are probably the two most prolific of the last 25 years in the conference. Yeah. So it can work. I am using the two most extreme examples, though.
2: You could also look at Mike Riley at uh, Nebraska, who was coming from Oregon State, and that one didn't didn't quite have the the bang of like an Urban mire. Um, but obviously Nebraska is. Not but a, I, I, I get it your
0: looks. point about yeah. you are, and it has been raised frequently when the hire was made because it's the first time in a long time that Auburn really went outside of its orbit to make a hire. And Harson is definitely that. He's someone who. Has not spent any time in the Southeast, especially any time as a football coach. Uh,
2: I think the dead period did not help that, the extended dead period because of COVID, because that could have been a time where, you know, you're really getting to know high school coaches, making early connections, and I'm sure that they've been making, uh, you know, having to play catch up on that. To that point, I mean, he does have assistants with a ton of experience in the Southeast with Derek Mason and Will Friend and Mike Bobo, some of those other guys as well. So so they've been playing catch-up, and I think to what Justin was saying, they're behind right now, but if they can get – you know, a couple of these commits that can sort of, you know, help open the floodgates, it could be big. I mean, you know, I know Damari Alston is a guy they're really looking at, a four-star running back out of Georgia. Maybe he's the guy that can really get some excitement, because you know, and typically you'll you'll look at like your quarterback commit, and, and I haven't really heard a ton about Holden. You know, he and he may be doing stuff behind the scenes. I mean, that that could be something that um, he's been doing, but. Um, you look at Damari, you look at local guy in Caden's Story. Maybe if he commits, that he, he gets a little uh, excitement. And, and there's some other local guys that I know they're intrigued about too, um, like Eston Harris that's at Auburn High now. Maybe uh, getting one or two of these local guys can kind of get other guys in the state a little bit excited about uh, what Auburn's doing and, and looking at uh, this staff. So I think it's imperative that they get – uh, some sense of momentum, and I don't think it has to happen before the season to the point that you guys brought up earlier with um, what happened for Gene Chizik uh, actually
0: during the season. I think the that's season, the best that hope be is that Auburn starts 5-0, and oh, and, yeah, you absolutely have a path at that point to say, look, it's already working.
1: Right. Um, and even if you lose to Georgia and Alabama, which they did in '09, 9
0: I think that the they, they blew a two-touchdown lead in that game, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do to you exactly have advice me. for the Auburn fan listening right now of how to strike a balance between being like, yeah, recruiting does need to pick up realistically, but also it's not time to jump off a, a ledge.
1: Well, I mean, don't jump off any ledges. We, we, we even would if never team,
0: promote that. Even I thing.
1: mean, you know, maybe maybe it goes terribly. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but don't jump off a ledge. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know, I don't know what. You know, I don't know what you can do except go into the season, yeah. win some games, try to turn things around there. And then if that doesn't work and your recruiting class is still not where you want it, you, Brian makes changes in the offseason. Yeah. So that's the best that can happen. I don't know what what you can do, you know, other than buy in, like we're saying, buy in on what they're doing. Jimmy Rain, are you
0: listening to games. the buy in you know I mean? part? Please, <laughs> in the love of God.
1: Try. And, and hey, the, some hope is on the way with that recruiting center breaking ground. mm uh, but you know, again, it's it's about the Jimmies and Joes, and that means the assistant. Well, the, the argument as well. has been
0: yeah, put forward here on on the uh, podcast, and in Ferg's newsletters, he's written about it. They need to have a you know football only facility, I think, yes. simply to keep up. Yep. But it is not going to revolutionize Auburn's recruiting. They're not going to go from floating around like the ten to twelve spot to suddenly being the third best team in college football recruiting because they got one.
1: Right. I I mean, I think all three of us in this room, in our opinions, agree that recruiting is almost everything. It's huge. I mean, I'm not saying
0: that I could coach Alabama to a national title, but it would certainly be more likely that I could do it with the players they have right now.
1: (laughs) I'd like that. Yeah, one year of
0: that, throw that bad (laughs) boy in some index funds. I'll see you later.
1: I'll I'll take that buyout. Let's go. Uh, (laughs)
2: Money for nothing, but, boys. But, you
1: know, there's the, you know, and, and and maybe, maybe, I don't, and we don't know what the, the thought process is, but it's like in, you know, it's like in, in Boise, maybe the plan was to, hey, let's get in the best three stars we can and let's develop them. Let's develop great players. Don't see that working here. I'm not saying Brian's doing that. I'm not saying Brian isn't adjusting, but that's, it's going to be different here because you need the Jimmies and Joes to begin with uh, when you're going up against – The most dominant dynasty in the in the history of college football.
2: Yeah, no, no small feat there. Yeah, Um, you got
1: you got to have Jimmys and
2: Joes. My my thing to the point that you were bringing up Painter as far as like the fan perspective. My advice as far as this specific recruiting class is to keep up with it like you would if you had stock in the stock market. You don't go freaking out when it's too early. I love this. You just I mean just monitor it.
0: You no, know. it's a good point. I think it's right. It We're, Auburn, is, if it goes up a little bit, you're, you're playing the, the long the, game the with the, the new it. hire. Yeah. If you expected a national title in year one, well, you had that in Gus Malzahn almost. Yeah. And then we know how yeah. the rest of that tenure yeah. went. But
2: it's, but it's oh, yeah. a typical. It's not. They had, they like had their worst season <laughs>
0: historically in 60 years and followed it up by one of the best.
1: Yeah. yeah. You're saying the kick six and the prayers are near never, those atypical yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, is there anything
0: not. else in the world of football we want to hit? I've asked you guys about predictions. I've asked you guys about media days, what to do with the thought on both Bo Nixon, to some extent T.J. Finley, uh, D. Davis, I guess since we talked, I mean, it would probably be anything there. Go. I mean, I think since Finley moved in, it seems to be the, the focus shifted from the fan base. Uh, if they were talking about any sort of sure. backup, Oh, because they get the right, shiny like new toys. Right, like Davis toy. is now already old news.
2: Yeah, yeah but I mean, yeah, I'd say just, patience with Davis. I mean, because if yeah. if he does have a, a future as far as a starting quarterback at Auburn, it, it's going to take him some time.
1: Uh, the only thing about football is we're ready for it, man. We were <laughs>
2: big cat week. B- big cat <laughs> weekend coming up. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, big cat weekend. There's an opportunity to gain some ground. Yep. There's, a, uh, you know. I don't know how many they're gonna land on a you know chill vibe barbecue. That was an incredible stuff. quote, whoever that
0: source was. Respect. <laughs> a source. I really. Auburn which coach do guy. I want it to be which most to have know. phrased <laughs> it that way? I'll have to think about that.
1: Chill vibe barbecue type deal. And I said on Twitter, man, I'm a chill vibe barbecue type deal. Type if you're not, so I, I am mean, all about it. What's wrong? I could hear
2: Mike Bobo. I could hear Mike Bobo in that <laughs>
1: South
2: Georgia accent. <laughs> yeah you you,
1: could pick up guys there and like you said uh, and in the goal big cat usually like uh, yeah
0: they'd love to land some commitments but they are trying to I I don't even know how much they are expecting to land commitments on that weekend
1: and there will be a lot of 2023s and 2024s there. It's it's about building for the future. So, um, but I mean, uh, once upon a time, it was a big deal. Pie eating contest. Lake, Lake Seastrunk, Tumor's Corner, calling out Nick Saban. That was man. wild. It was story he didn't
0: even come here. He
1: didn't even come. <laughs> but uh, yeah, once upon a time. Mike Dyer, Marcus
0: Lattimore, and Lake Seastrunk, almost all in one.
1: We were talking about it the other day. Was, was it Nathan? Nathan. Yep. Yeah, almost yep. all three that of in one That
0: would have been class. so wild. <laughs> uh, defense looks good we did our draft recently Ferg and I did oh, sure. I dominated Ferg as I do in all things sports related I've got lots yeah, of large obviously. defensive linemen an incredible defensive back group he did snag both the linebackers so that is interesting for me
1: you got to be excited about what Easton's doing and you got to be excited the, secondary about the secondary
0: looks wildly promising
1: and then you got Owen in the middle Yes. That's what I'm saying. You go up to Happy Valley, man. They they better not score more than 14.
0: But yeah, uh, the secondary, seemingly the brightest spot on the roster, or is it I the two so. and Owen and the, the leading tackler, Zacobi? Uh, I think,
1: linebackers, I think, is solid. But I mean, you know, you got a Roger. You got a that's your highest. That's your
0: top. And draft then Pritchett right yeah, certainly Roger. seems capable of popping. Yeah, mm. I'd be Smoke. curious about like if Dre' Miller gets drafted. I won't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I would say secondary between them and linebacker a little bit more except but I mean you got two two guys that are coming back that had over a hundred tackles at linebacker. That's nothing to sneeze at either.
0: Let's take a quick moment here to just let the folks know. If you're not already you need to be rating, reviewing, subscribing. We love we love it when you subscribe to the Auburn Observer. But you can also subscribe to the great work at the OA News. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. I give you Jordan and Justin. Jordan and Justin, how is it that people can support the great work happening at the uh, Opelika uh, Auburn uh, News? A
1: little website I like to call OENow.comslash oh, subscribe. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, man. Hey, man, we're doing we're, It's a good time, and we, we do our own podcast. It's on Spotify, it's on all the things oe News Overtime. Wherever you listen to uh, podcast. you can find it. Yeah, and, and the newspaper, wherever you buy your words, as uh, <laughs> Justin <laughs> likes to say. Uh, yeah man we're doing it it's a new thing uh we're enjoying it jump in man hit us up have a good time like it's a, it, especially with a, a new project like that like i mean we can support we can local
0: business like, yell at your favorite sports riders you can do that if you <laughs> yeah. such, you are not allowed All right, to yell at us. them yeah. otherwise
1: and I, man we're taking requests like hit us up let us know what you want what you want maybe what you want to talk about mailbag type questions you know and we'll we'll probably we'll probably get to it One thing I want to kind of talk about a little bit is, like, so, you know, you guys are doing, it's a digital offering, what you guys do, right? And, I mean, we've got that, you know, and I just want, you know, people to know that. It's like, hey, and we've got pretty comparable annual subscriptions. You know, you guys are a year for 60, right? You can get the LA News for something like that. We run deals all the time. You can get six months for a buck sometimes uh, when we're doing our, you know, our drives. But there's a very comparable digital subscription uh, avenue that get you a login get you behind the paywall but then it also has the e-edition which a lot of people really like which is the it's the digital paper but then you can you can see you can see the paper digitally the whole, flip the whole through thing pages. So you can flip through it and pinch to zoom and do all that if you want and then uh you know and then and then everything else <laughs> and then the news, and then have You guys little, already made the it the to. Uh, opening, I figure you did. Lee. We have. No, we How was the line? Over there How the are we doing? Had lunch. I was there last night.
0: I figured the first couple <laughs> well, the of lines months still should be a pretty thing. wild. The line's
1: still a thing, but goat. They came prepared. But they're like quadruple staffed in there. There's like. I so was impressed.
2: We went and, through. We went and sat in, and. uh Worth the wait, eh? I was. I was. I was ready for like. I thought so. Yeah.
1: Push, and you know we're. I don't know. A lot of things are going on. There's a lot of moves going on, but uh, you know we're doing what we can. <laughs> we done. here at the OA News are making money moves. I don't know. Um, <laughs> else. And I'm doing what I can to kind of you know get a seat at the table. And we're gonna we're gonna we've got some things coming up, but uh, we're we're gonna evolve. We're gonna be uh, just like you guys are the new age you know pioneers. You know we're trying to we're trying to how are we gonna get the print newspaper? How are we gonna drive that into
0: this? Call new me Davy Crockett. OA Now. Is where you can find their excellent work. So, let's transition into basketball. What do we think? It has been something that has made the off an absolute pleasure. I'm expecting nothing short of a national title. They really ought to, <laughs> I think, make the second. I mean, get excited. At least I think that should generally be the goal. And then from there, for a team that Bruce Pearl generally stockpiles with talent it is sort of a crapshoot, right? Like you look at UCLA, they just kept riding that wave. So with that said, with certainly Alabama looks to be one of the more formidable teams, LSU, I'm kind of surprised at this point that will Wade hasn't managed to cross the finish line and like win a conference title yet, but he seems to be knocking at the door, feeling kind of uninspired at Florida, but I'm pretty sure they extended Mike white recently. So good for them. Um, Calipari, they'll be back at it this year. So, like, I mean, they, there may be, I don't know, seven to nine teams in the tournament. Like, that sounds like an insane number, but it is very possible that that the league has a record-setting number of teams in the tournament this year. Auburn, I think it's safe to say, has its most talented team ever. The player you're most excited to watch is...
1: Jabari! I think people. It's it's kind of. He seems like kind of an understated guy. Like we have forgotten have about this, a top five player had. in the country. But, uh, I think, yeah, yeah, a lot of I stuff has happened to this off season. The movement
0: you know, has been not, great.
1: Sure, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's, whenever you him, say that answer, it's you know. like,
0: well, yeah, you're going with the highest rated player in program history. It's like, I know that's not like going <laughs> to surprise anybody, but they've not ever had some. <laughs> there is actually a kind of significant drop off in the ranking. The twenty four seven sport composite of Jabari to like Sharif and Walker Kessler, so I mean, and, and Ferg did a nice story recently listing some other guys who were the what the fourth best player coming out of high school, and like some of those names are DeAndre Ayton among others. Uh, is your answer the same? Is it? You, I I I know that's not going to be think a hot it's take.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you know. I had a chance to watch um, when they played for the state title, uh, Sandy Creek, and I mean, it was just—he was clearly a man amongst boys. I mean, even just watching him warm up, you're like, man, this. And then he went out there and hit threes early on and really carried Sandy Creek in that state championship game, which I'm sure he did all year. But I mean, you see the potential, Jordan Hill, telling like that Sandy that Creek to shoot. step it up. I mean.
0: I, <laughs> yeah, they,
2: hey man, they didn't win. They didn't win the title. I mean, uh, can't, Wendell can't Green Junior.
0: Someone out. I'm extremely excited to watch. And then selfishly, I may not. I don't think there's anyone on the team that I want to have more success than Alan Flanagan because I think he is going to be the alpha of the team this year. Could work himself into the first round of the draft. Fingers crossed if things break right for him. He got, a, I think, a raw deal based on playing out of position and Auburn fans sort of let him know it. Uh, so among some of those guys or any that I didn't mention, I think Jabari speaks for itself. It's like you may have, and, and it seems like Auburn's going to have two first round one and done draft prospects this year, but in Jabari, I mean, it, it might be a different thing where you're talking about, could this guy potentially work himself like Isaac Okoro did into the top five right. of the draft as a one and done prospect. So outside of Jabari, any players, that you're really like, man, like the season and all of its success could hinge upon their play.
1: I just, I think I just like how the roster is built. Because remember, remember this time last year, Painter, me and you were talking, and I remember talking about like, we we're talking about how excited everyone was for Sharif. And it was like, hey, man, you know. Georgia had Anthony. What's his name? Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Not to yeah.
2: be confused with Lothropoka basketball coach <laughs> Anthony Edwards. <laughs>
1: they had Anthony Edwards, and he was the number one overall pick. And they didn't do so hot. Like no. it doesn't, you know, the the, the the talent, you know, you can have a, a star talent and still not be very, you know, like Sharif and J T. Thor is shooting up all the things. So, but the way this team is built, I like it better than the way the team was built last year.
0: I, I think they can sustain some years, injuries I think, too. Of
1: the yeah. veterans and like yeah. when. Yeah. yeah, I think Wendell and Zepp, having the veterans back there, I think having Allen in should position be better yeah. in part Finally. because of that.
0: And, and then I think in part, like, that's why you go out and get Zepp. You've got more depth at your guard spot now, right? And you've never had – I don't. I genuinely do not anymore. know if they're all three healthy opposing coaches, pick your poison, Jabari Walker and Jalen Williams. And, and like, Jalen was your most consistent player last year. I don't know what other – like, what are people going to do with really that? really well. Seems to scream mismatches everywhere, no right. matter if you're dipping. Because I guess Jalen's probably going to be the first guy off the bench.
1: Probably, mm. Yeah, probably. That makes sense. Because he, he's willing to do it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the way the team's built, I think, is the, the most exciting thing. And they're still new, so there still might be growing pains, you know. What do um, y'all think but, about the prospect? The this is an
0: idea that a friend of the newsletter, Alston Ivy, and I have talked about a good bit. Devin Cambridge has frustrated me at times as a player. And then some games he goes out and can't miss mm-hmm. the consistency. Hasn't been there. Would like to see him get a little bit better from the free throw line. I'm criticizing someone who's way better of an athlete and basketball player than I could ever dream to be. But uh, there, hey, there are, hey, there are, Hey, I <laughs> hey, can't player, do that. There some are <laughs> some areas of his game though. where like, I want to see improvement and we might get that this year, but I've convinced myself that there's the way you mentioned the roster construction, Lee like, Devin Cambridge may have an absolutely fantastic year because I think his role might be a little smaller. But other defenses are going to be keyed in on Jabari, Allen, Walker, maybe Green or Katie. It's like, I think if you're a guy like Devin Cambridge or even Chris Moore a little bit farther down the bench, this could be a massive season for you and what could be a more limited role.
1: By stocking Chris Moore. Uh, but, yeah, like, I mean, now Devin's more in that Malik Dunbar spot. The spark plug guy and that that guy who like you said everyone's looking at somebody else um yeah i think that'd be big for devin and uh you know and if if he has a hot gonna, night yeah, he has a hot make night. or break the team more than likely it's not it's not the end of the world yeah but but you expect him to take a step forward especially like because remember remember he's he a freshman it was just like his splits his splits were home, something to missing beholden. everything simply around. amazing <laughs> Yeah, so, but as you get older, you expect that to to level out more. So I think I think that's perfectly fine to expect. You're
0: a Georgia boy. You know, what in the world is Tom Crane doing year,
1: for sure?
2: But I think to the point about Devin and even talking about Alan Flanagan getting to play in position, I think that it can, it the the roster makeup to what Justin was saying, I think can benefit everybody. It may make some people's roles smaller than they were last year, but. It can – it really can help Bruce optimize what these guys are good at. And that's the thing I'm most excited to see is, is sort of him figuring out what's the optimal lineup, again, who who makes the most sense coming off the bench and, and can we make the most of – like you guys have said, this could be the most talented roster that Bruce has ever had.
0: I think I'm actually more eager to be back in Auburn Arena this year given what's at stake and what I think is, uh, you know, achievable for the basketball team and also that it has become, in some exciting moments, one of the harder places to play, certainly in the league, and there have been some national broadcasters who have made the claim that it is one of the harder places to play in college basketball, which is something that I would have thought was a really bad joke. Has there ever been more excitement all year long, including, of course, the offseason, than this one?
2: And I think the thing, having covered this past basketball season, like, just comparing that atmosphere, which, man, I drew a great year to start on the Auburn beat. I mean, covering Auburn, Auburn men's basketball when there could be no fans in Auburn Arena, like, it was <laughs> like you could hear a pin drop. And, and, like, some of them, because, I mean, obviously they couldn't be there with, with COVID. But to compare that to what this season could be, I mean, I'm right there with you. You got to admit, if you're an Auburn fan, as high as expectations might be for Brian Harson, this is starting over.
0: Uh, well, I think that's probably a fine yeah. place to leave basketball, unless there's anything else you guys wanted to interject on.
2: By that stop, Lee, let's talk stock. about something that Ferg and I
0: cannot <laughs> talk about because we do not cover it. And me covering anything is sort of funny to think about, but Brother. Ferg is very transparent that he focuses on football and basketball, tries to st- stay in his lane, if you will. Auburn has one of literally the best gymnasts in the world – And thank God she's also going to be able to benefit off of name, image, mention likeness. That timing is working out nicely for her. Fill folks in, if you would, on what her career has looked like to this point and what it is they are going to get to watch with Jeff Graves' squad.
1: Suni Lee is the best, and you'll you'll see it soon, at the Olympics. She's contending for gold on bars. She's the best in the world on bars which is one of the four events in gymnastics uh, i don't know how far we want to dumb it down uh but you know she's she's in tokyo uh they landed there the like yesterday she you know what's sad is she was on instagram live last night i jumped there for one second but it, because i had read an article about and and it's it's funny it's actually in print today in the O A news wow it was a wire story about how the athletes the athletes like can't have fun or anything but apparently they can't even like tour quite tokyo literally or back or in any lockdown any fun stuff like they're just it's hitting tokyo really hard you're talking about the most densely populated city in the world right so uh yeah they they're just like we're bored we're in our hotel room there's nothing we can do uh but yeah so all the athletes are just kind of bored right now but yeah she's there for anyone you know who's not familiar i mean this is the gymnastics team like she's on the squad the one of six you know the 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 biggest spot, and uh, and yeah, and she's she's going to be their bar specialist. Uh, they wholly intend to throw her out there to win gold on bars. Simone Biles is the best in the world. at Everything else, uh, she could also medal on beam. Beam is her second best event. She's really good at it. Um, yeah, so uh, Simone will probably win gold on all the others. That's her goal. That you know, that's going to be Team USA's Team USA's vision. You know, the committee and everyone would be for Simone to win gold on everything, and then SUNY to win gold on bars. And, but SUNY could win like bronze or silver on Beam behind behind uh, Simone. Anyway, all that to say is she's really good and she's going to be a star. And it's a everyone, you know, and, and this is
0: not the ABC, Olympics on NBC. not CBS. Uh, the first thing she
1: has like the Fierce Five, like this is the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, so she has qualification. There's qualification on Sunday, which is, I'm going to preview that a little bit more later. But like, it's almost a weird thing where she's going to be competing with her own teammates because the top two only two from each country get to compete later in the individual thing whatever it's not important so it's kind of backwards it's kind of counterintuitive because they do the team finals first so they do the team team USA versus team China team everybody team Russia first that's the first thing they do they get that done and then they do all the individual who's gonna win gold on all the individual stuff um, so and in so in in, in that team final, uh, she'll throw bars, she'll throw beam, she might throw a couple, the other two, uh, depending on how they shake down, she'll definitely throw those two though, she might be sidelined on the other ones because it's an individual thing, then you go, when, you, when they go to the individual thing, it's a team thing I should say then they go to the individual, then she'll throw all the events and see how she go, does in you know, all around, see if she can win again, see if she can do it again, winning uh, gold on, on bars and, and, and meddling on beam again, but uh, yeah, but she's signed to Auburn all this stuff is going to happen at, like, 4 in the morning. I'm planning on waking up, and, like, I'm not sure. I've got to, like, look up to how people cover this stuff, because I've never done this before. But, like, I'm, we're going to spoil it. Like, I'm going to watch it live, find whatever feed i got to find, and I'm just going we'll to do gonna it live, it Live, do it all live, and it's going to be 4 in the morning. Because, cause, yeah, exactly. Uh, Sting, uh, because cause NBC is going to play it later in primetime, but, you know, I don't care about That's that. old news. So Jeff's brother Jess coaches in Minnesota, and that uh, and sh- he's her coach. And so, like you said with NIL, like you know, we joke, but like the timing was so perfect, and uh, because she's going to blow up, her Instagram followers are going to double. Quite here, here, jealous? Yeah. Get NBC your bread. Tonight. Yeah, <laughs> and she's going to have over a million. You know what I mean? It's, but it, it comes at a perfect time because we've, you know, I wrote a story kind of comparing it. One of her Team USA teammates is Michaela Skinner, who's older. She's like twenty-four. She was on the team, Olympic team five years ago. Should be four, but we had a delay, right? So in 2016, she was much younger. So I guess she was, she was 19 or whatever. But she, uh, she went to the Olympics and she had to make a choice. She had to decide whether she was going to take this endorsement money, do stuff like, you know, do all the endorsement stuff, or keep her college eligibility and go to Utah. She decided to stay in college. Go to she. She talked to like agents, and they actually weighed the finances of like what's better for me. It was better for her to go to Utah, and and she won an, a couple NCAA championships, and now she's back on the team. Uh, but but but. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Weaver went to the Olympics in in uh, whatever year that was, 2008 or 2012. Uh, but then she was on the cornflakes box, so she couldn't she couldn't go to college. So she went to UCLA. She was 16 at the time. and Then she went to UCLA she to go to college, and she was with the gymnastics teams as a coach because she couldn't compete. So she coached, and now that's why she's the coach, at, head coach at Arkansas at like age 25, because <laughs> she's she started her coaching career at, at 18 at UCLA. But that's because, but now the yeah, but now when we talk about the NIL and stuff. Like this is the big difference. This is you know track people, you know the Olympic sports that you think about, gymnastics.
0: And I don't even is is you could tell me this is gymnastics actually a revenue generator for Auburn.
1: I believe Auburn gymnastics is in the black. I believe they don't lose money. And I think I think most SEC programs are SEC gymnastics is, is on the rise, and, the, and Auburn Auburn gymnastics has Auburns best attendance average Do you know that because they only have like five meets they all sell out
0: uh, you are going to get to watch an olympian who may be by the time this is all said and done a gold medalist also
1: and who who may be doing it all again in three years because they delayed delayed the olympics from 2020 to 2021 so but the next olympics is going to be in 2024 and she she will be a current auburn senior possibly going to the olympics if things work out You know, it's a big, big ifs, a lot of ifs looking down the line, you know, if, if her body holds up, you know, gymnastics is very taxing, Uh, but it could be, it could be that she could be going back in a few years. It helps her that it's only three years because of that delay. And SEC gymnastics is on the rise, man. And it's because it's fun. And like, this is something that again, and it's something that we, we joke about on Twitter. It's like, cause you look at these U S trials, the Olympic stuff, the elite level stuff. And it just, they're in these, it just looks like they're all about to throw up. They're all so nervous. You know, if you make one mistake, you're done. And Skinner said, Michaela Skinner, who I'd mentioned earlier said that it was like college of gym, gymnastics is so much fun. I'm just glad more, more girls can go do it.
0: All right, boys. Thank yeah, you man. very, very much. We're about an hour into this one again that's oanow.com check out their great work especially if you're around here but if you're not it's on the internet baby we will check back in with the inner circle midweek until that time ladies and gentlemen ta-ta i can't win i can't rain i will never win this game without you without you I am lost. I am vain. I will never be the same.